Hello and welcome to another episode of The American Talk. We have an exciting show lined up for you today where we're going to go over the drama of Judge Brett Kavanaugh and just a quick overview of current world events. So we got a full docket for you today, uh, but first we have to start with a message from one of our sponsors. So gentlemen, let's be honest, your belts, they need help. They do. I know because my whole life, I bought cheap belts with fake leather that barely last a year. It's time for a change. So at ADM Leather, uh, they make handmade, genuine leather belts, and trust me, they're going to last. I actually got one of these in the mail. Um, the owner of ADM Leather uh, sent it over to me, and I'm just I'm surprised um, by how great it looks. It just, it immediately makes my wardrobe look so much better, and I know it's going to last. Uh, the belts look amazing, and it's, it's just going to be an amazing addition to your wardrobe. So go to Etsy.com slash ADM Leather, that's ADM Leather, to see all their excellent products. In fact, I think they just rolled out tote bags for all you lady listeners. So there's a lot there. They're veteran-owned and operated, so make sure to go check them out. So... Those are our friends, ADM Leather. Can't recommend them enough. They've been with the show from the very beginning. They've been avid supporters. Um, they've got belts, patches, uh, just anything you can imagine, any leather work. Um, I really, really recommend them. So go use them. Let them know you heard us on the American Talk, and let me know what you think about them. We like to support the right business, not just any business. And one that is veteran-owned and operated is, in our minds, the right business. So before we start this episode, just a couple of brief reminders. As always, we appreciate your support. So please go visit us at theamericantalk.com. Go buy a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. This helps showcase your support. It really goes a long way. It also helps with marketing because you're going to now own a shirt that people are going to be saying, hey, what's the American Talk? And you can say... Well, this is this great podcast that I listen to. So um, please do that. If you've already done that, then just remember to share this podcast on any social media and encourage your friends to rate, listen, and subscribe. So thank you so much. I don't want to keep this episode waiting. I had a lot of fun writing it, so let's get right to it. I think that intro gets me every time, and I know I said at the beginning we have a full show, uh, but before we do, we wanted to start with some good news, or at least some news we wanted to make sure got honored. On on, uh, August 22nd, President Trump awarded the Medal of Honor to Sergeant John A. Chapman. Now, Sergeant John A. Chapman will receive the Medal of Honor posthumously for his actions on March 4th, 2002 on Tanker Gar Mountain in Afghanistan. So during a helicopter insertion, Sergeant Chapman's aircraft came under heavy enemy fire and was hit by a rocket-propelled grenade. One teammate was ejected from the aircraft and crippled helicopter crash-landed in the valley below. Sergeant Chapman 
and the remaining Joint Special Operations team members voluntarily returned to the snow-capped mountain into the heart of the known enemy stronghold and attempt to rescue their stranded teammate. Sergeant Chapman charged into enemy fire through harrowing conditions, seized an enemy bunker, and killed its enemy occupants. He then moved from cover to engage a machine gun firing on his team from a second bunker. While engaging this position, he was severely wounded by enemy gunfire. Despite the severe wounds, he continued to fight relentlessly, sustaining a violent engagement with multiple enemy personnel before paying the ultimate sacrifice. Sergeant Chapman's heroic actions at the cost of his life are credited with the saving the lives of his teammate. Now, we wanted to start with that because I don't think it got the immediate attention that it deserved. Sergeant Chapman is an American hero. He was awarded the highest medal we have, and I truly thank him and his family for his sacrifice that he made. Um, ultimately, this reminds me of a quote, and the quote goes like this. Battles are sometimes won by generals. Wars are nearly always won by sergeants and privates. And I think Sergeant Chapman proves that every day. We start with his story so that we were reminded that good does still exist, and it's very easy to find and celebrate if we choose to. We're going to hit on some tough topics today, some topics that make people a little anxious to even discuss. But I wanted to start with one that's very easy to discuss, and that's the heroism that we see by our men and women uh, amplified through Sergeant Chapman's actions. So... I thank him and his family, um, and I hope you remember his, hero- his heroic actions uh, through your Tuesday and the rest of your week. We are truly blessed in this nation to have uh, the finest men and women serve it. Uh, I know many of them. I've done business with them. I've lived with them. They're, uh, they're truly fascinating people, uh, but that story is one that I hope we read in the annals of history. So moving on. There is some concern growing in the Middle East. Now, this might seem a little redundant if you've paid attention to the last two decades of foreign policy, but Syria recently had airstrikes conducted uh, by Israel against it. So um, President al-Shazard is now securing all of his strongholds and basically putting the rebels uh, in full retreat. He has threatened to use chemical weapons a couple of times, uh, but he's being firmly supported by the Russians, as many of you know. Israel has started to conduct certain airstrikes to restrict the flow of terrorist weapons flowing through war towards Syria and going to uh, terrorist organizations like Hezbollah. While they were doing this, they were hitting Syrian strongholds, and so the Syrian anti-air, which is actually funded and produced by Russia, started shooting ground-to-air uh, intercept missiles. And unfortunately, they hit a Russian military plane, killing 19 Russian soldiers. Now, Israel did not shoot down the plane. And it's very important to know this. Israel was responding and defending its own territory and interest. So that is very critical. But Moscow and Russia are very adamant that they hold Israel accountable for the deaths of those 19 soldiers and they are encouraging world leaders to take action against Israel. We start with this because this is a very serious situation. 
and it reminds me a lot of the outbreak of World War I, like I've shared in the past. Just because it's a small, unheard of nation like Syria does not mean that there is potential for an eruption of a much greater war. And involvement with Israel would most assuredly be the way that this would play out. If Russia or Syria took any serious actions to reprimand Israel for these, for these uh, acts, the United States would have to come to the aid. They're not going to allow Israel to face Russia um, alone. And so you kind of see the slippery slope here that's going down. And, and we're not there yet, but I do think it's important to watch the situation carefully. Russia is involved heavily with setting up the Syrian regime, and they want to see it succeed. Israel is doesn't really care. They're there to protect their own interests and ensure the defense of their citizens. And I think that's something we can very much relate to and we should encourage. But I think this is something that's getting mild coverage that when you take a step back from, you can see how it has astronomical implications, right? You can see how this can maybe force the hands of greater civilizations to be involved outside of just an Israel-Syrian conflict. So I would say watch it. To me, it looks like this is something that's like a boiling pot. You know, it doesn't really do anything when you're looking at it, but every now and again it could spill over if you're not paying attention. Uh, And I think this is a less ideal situation. And so I I would really want um, my listeners to be adamant that while there are other items going on that might be masking this, the war in Syria and the actions that Israel is taking to protect their interests um, could lead to a serious foreign policy crisis. So keep your eyes posted there. In other important news, Rod Rosenstein, the uh, head of the Justice Department, might be giving his resignation or being forcibly impeached later this week. This is after allegations that he uh, encouraged or at least intended to wiretap President Trump or record conversations with President Trump in a hopes that it would force President Trump his impeachment, that he'd be seen as unfit to serve as President of the United States. Now, what's interesting here is that in the beginning of Trump's presidency, he talked about how he, he felt he was wiretapped, like people were listening in on his conversations and that the Obama administration actually ordered this. It was dismissed and a lot of people kind of uh, laughed at it and said this was Trump being a loony. But this type of allegation seems to be uh, very founded in evidence that Rod Rosenstein at least intended and wanted to wiretap the President of the United States. This should make almost every American concerned that any um, political incumbent can basically wield the Justice Department, the FBI, and the intelligence agencies against anyone they don't want to see in politics. So we need to have separation of powers, I think, restored in how the executive branch and the Justice Department interact. The left is also concerned that Rod Rosenstein might resign because he oversees the Mueller investigation, which they're hoping is their Hail Mary to getting President Trump impeached anyway. So this is a big story. It needs to be watched, um, I think, with the items that are happening with Judge Brett Kavanaugh, which we will hit on as our main topic a little bit down the line that maybe it's getting brushed under the rug. But overall, I think the biggest thing here is that President Trump is vindicated. The Justice Department wanted him, you know, like, reviewed, um, you know, wiretapped, 
watched. I don't know what the legal terminology there is, but that they did not want President Trump in office. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this situation plays out. Rosenstein um, can't be forcibly removed by the president, I believe. I think there has to be like articles of impeachment introduced. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what plays out there. The other piece to remember about Rod Rosenstein um, is that as the deputy attorney general, he is, at least according to his political affiliation, a Republican. So the interesting point there is that there's still this rift between mainstream core Republicans and President Trump. And it'll be interesting to see how President Trump navigates that without guys like Paul Ryan. Um, so that's that's the other piece. And so I really wanted to put the correction there that uh, as Deputy Attorney General, he has a lot of uh, political power and it, it needs to be watched. He can't be using it to just try to frame up President Trump. So developing story there, one you're going to want to keep uh, your eyes pe- uh, peeled on. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see how a guy like Jeff Sessions um, handles this. Jeff Sessions was in the Trump appointee, but Trump has been very critical of his handling of the Justice Department. And a lot of people thought that maybe Trump was just being uh, typical Trump, just uh, kind of throwing insults where insults will, will land. But with all of the recent things coming out about the Justice Department, the FBI, the CIA, uh, it, it is now starting to seem that there is a growing concern that the executive branch has with the Justice Department and how they handle investigations. I think we saw a portion of this with James Comey and uh, Hillary Clinton and how that got handled. Uh, but I think we're seeing it even more so with how much they can maybe influence politics. So I just strongly encourage people to look into this story, watch it closely, as I think there's probably a power struggle. I think under the Obama administration, um, uh, Attorney General uh, Lynch and Holder had a lot of power. They they kind of instructed the White House on what they were going to do, not the other way around. Um, and so it'll... You know, and I think President Obama used that as a weapon. I think he used those two people to kind of instill his agenda outside of the legislative branch. So it'll be interesting to see how Congress wants to step in and interact with this whole ordeal. But needless to say, the Mueller investigation will continue. Uh, A lot of people are saying that it's in the fourth quarter, that it's wrapping up, and that we should be getting a report soon, uh, hopefully within the next couple of months. What's interesting there is if Mueller decides to break any investigative report just, you know, close to November, I'm going to have some serious beef as to why that is. Um, You know, he's taken just about two years actually he has taken two years and so now he's going to drop any information he has just before the midterm elections it seems like that's um election meddling in my mind uh because uh, unless he has proof that needs to get you know addressed right away it seems odd that he would all of a sudden be wrapping up the uh, the investigation when uh you know in years past people have really asking why he hasn't been wrapping it up so uh, to me, that's just a red flag, and I, I don't know if there's any real evidence there, but if Mueller decides to release any findings he has, um, especially if they're critical of President Trump right before the midterm elections, I would strongly encourage people to cry foul because it, it doesn't seem like that uh, is a coincidence. I doubt Mueller is unaware that the midterm elections are happening. But this leads us into our main story of the night, and that is Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Now, uh, Brett Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court nominee. 
appointed by uh, President Trump. Uh, and so it seemed that this guy was about as squeaky clean as you could find. Uh, for those of you following the story, I wish to take a step back and let's just let's just focus on how he was initially seen. So for Republican standards, he was seen as a middle of the road pick. I mean, this guy worked in the Bush administration. It seemed that he was a critical thinker, but definitely a middle of the road Republican. He wasn't seen uh, as far right as a guy like Gorsuch. And he and he's didn't really seem to be a, a huge threat other than the fact that he was replacing a very middle-of-the-road independent. And so the left was kind of dramatizing it as the end of end of the world, doomsday. Republicans will hold the, the um, Supreme Court. But I think a big reason why Judge Brett Kavanaugh was initially picked by President Trump was because of his clean record and the fact that he could kind of unify his slim margin of Republicans to vote in a smooth confirmation. Boy, oh boy, has nothing been farther from the truth. Uh, there have been now two accusations against Brett, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. The first was from a Dr. Ford uh, that stemmed from an incident about 35 years ago. And while they are old, I think it is important that these accusations get taken seriously and are vetted. So we're going to do that. Now, I know a lot of people like to brush this accusation under the rug because it happened so far or so long ago, kind of like a statute of limitations. I would suggest we do not take that approach. Uh, I think one of the good things in the Me Too movement is that allegations get taken seriously. And we're going to dive into what a serious approach to taking these allegations looks like and what's a fair approach. But in the meantime, I want I want to look at these allegations and see what we can really pin on Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so the, the big things here is while Dr. Ford has been adamant that these have happened and that she's actually claimed that this has happened... Um, even prior to his appointment to the Supreme Court. It happened in marriage counseling, uh, and, and her husband does have um, collaborative evidence that she did bring it up to him prior, but she never actually mentioned Brett Kavanaugh's name, at least in the reports that I've seen. So basically you have Dr. Ford saying that at an undisclosed location, and she's not even certain of the time or the date, uh, definitely can't pick out the house that Brett Kavanaugh um, basically like attempted to molest her, and, and, and that's serious, and that's wrong if it occurred. But after that point, we don't have any witnesses because the only witness outside of Brett Kavanaugh is someone else who's being accused of taking part, and he has adamantly denied it. So you can't really trust him as being a fair witness on either side, just to be fair to Dr. Ford. Um, I mean, she's essentially accusing two people, only one though is in the limelight. So it's not really fair to say Brett Kavanaugh is innocent because the only other person accused doesn't agree with Dr. Ford. Um, so there, there is that piece. But overall, the lack of detail in the accusation is concerning. They, they haven't really been able to uh, pin or point to anything specific and... Kavanaugh's adamantly denied it. In fact, it doesn't really seem to fit with his character, or at least the narrative that we have surrounding this guy. Now, it's important to note that Kavanaugh does do things like coach on women's basketball teams. Uh, he has daughters. Um, you know, like he has a lot of female interactions, and not one of his former students, pupils, anything like that, have come out 
and said that they felt sexually harassed um, or that he had any type of misconduct prior to this allegation. So Dr. Ford was the first person to claim uh, foul. And, and so from here, we kind of move on to the most recent allegation that happened over the weekend, and that is from uh, Deborah Ramirez. So this allegation now stems, uh, it looks to be about two years later when, when Kavanaugh was uh, 19. The first one stems when he was 17. The second one it looks to be when he was 19, a freshman at Yale. Um, and it was, they were drunk at a party, and Kavanaugh took, out, took off his pants in front of Ramirez. She pushed him away, um, and that is the incident. But once again, we don't really have evidence. Um, in, in fact, there's not any witnesses that saw it or claimed to have seen it. Um, it's important to note that Kavanaugh's own roommate um, did support Ramirez and said, you know, I, I believe her. I think she's an honest, trustworthy person. It seems to me that uh, Deborah Ramirez does have um, strong integrity ties in her community. She is a devout Catholic, um, and she seems to be well supported by her community. People don't really make her out to be a liar or have any concerns. And, I, and, and I'm sorry to treat a victim that way. I mean, but we do have, if you take an allegation seriously, you do have to make sure that we're not rolling into something like the boy who cried wolf, especially when you're dealing with allegations that are 30 years uh, prior. It doesn't, just because of the length doesn't mean they're any less true. But it does warrant the question of why did we not know of it sooner um, and why this timing? Just like how I said, if Mueller dropped all his all his reports right before the midterms, it's not necessarily that I think anything in Mueller report is wrong or that Mueller is wrong, but it does warrant the question, why now? And, and so with Brett Kavanaugh being a Supreme Court nominee, why is it all of a sudden we're hearing about all these allegations or, or at least these two allegations? The other important thing, and this is to Kavanaugh's credit, is his friends did issue the following statement, uh, that we can stay with confidence that if the incident Debbie alleges ever occurred, we would have seen or heard about it, and we did not. The statement continues that the behavior she describes would be completely out of character for Brett. In addition, some of us knew Debbie long after Yale, and she never described this incident until Brett's Supreme Court nomination was pending. So those were other friends that Kavanaugh had at Yale, they seem to support his side of the story, saying that we can't for sure say that this never happened, but we had never heard about it prior. Uh, we didn't witness it, and uh, this would be out of character for Brett. And in fact, uh, she never even brought it up in outside engagements, I mean, prior to Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nominee. So all in all, we have two accusations, and we don't really have evidence that either one happened. And this gets us in, in an interesting position because we do need to take these allegations seriously. They need to be vetted. And, and the short reason is that, yes, these would be disqualifying uh, acts for a Supreme Court nominee. That if Judge Brett Kavanaugh did indeed engage in either of these accusations, that he should not be a Supreme Court justice. But at the same time, we do have a presumption of innocence, and, that, and that's something I'm going to hit on for the remainder of our podcast, that Kavanaugh himself, just like any American, does have a presumption of innocence. And so 
I know that that's mostly a legal concept, but I want to hit on a quick quote from a former Yale president, Kingston Brewster Jr. And he was a president of Yale. Since we're dealing with a bunch of Yale graduates, it's only fitting we use a Yale quote. And here it is. The presumption of innocence is not just a legal concept. In commonplace terms, it rests on the generosity of spirit, which assumes the best, not the worst, of the stranger. So just because Kavanaugh is not facing any criminal trials, it is important to remember that we keep a fair mind. In this phrase, it uses the generosity of spirit, which assumes the best. That unless there's evidence contrary to, to Kavanaugh's statement, that there is not enough to ruin this man's life or stop his appointment to the Supreme Court. And that's really where we are. But just across the nation, we're having a tough time figuring out how to handle um, sexual misconduct accusations. And I don't want the victims who are accusing and taking tremendous amount of courage to feel like they don't have a voice, because they do. But at the same time, we still have a right to ask certain clarifying questions and remind them that the burden of proof still exists. So my heart does break for these victims, for Dr. Ford uh, and Deborah Ramirez. And they deserve justice, and, that, and that's really important to remember. But it's also important to remember that Brett Kavanaugh, too, deserves justice. And since both sides deserve justice, we need to get to the heart of the claim. We need to find the evidence. So I want to make it clear that I support the Me Too movement. The reason being is that it encourages these type of allegations to be taken seriously. In the past, I, I don't think that was there. I think if a woman came out about sexual misconduct, that it was brushed under a rug, especially if it was a prominent person, um, that she never got to see justice. She never got to see any type of uh, confrontation. And as the pendulums tend to do, this one seems to have swung, uh, because now they're being taken seriously, and it should force investigation. And I say should because what's happening now is a mob-style justice that seeks a witch's trial, where the accused is guilty prior to the evidence. And so, while I support the Me Too movement, which forces these things to be taken seriously, I would not support this mob-style justice. And I hope you can kind of see the middle-of-the-road approach I'm taking. I don't want it to be that we never hear Dr. Ford or we never hear Debbie Ramirez. But I also don't want it to be that just because I heard Dr. Ford and Ramirez does not mean I don't get to hear Brett Kavanaugh in his defense. He has a right to defend himself and to stake his claim and his facts and evidence. And to be honest, he's fully willing to collab I mean to work with both sides. He's going to go under oath and give his testimony, which means he's going to sacrifice himself to perjury, potentially, if he lies. That's important. It's also important to note that uh, Dr. Ford was at first saying she was not going to testify, and now it seems that she might be willing to do so. 
So we need to hear them out. Ultimately, this reminds me of a story uh, that involved John Adams. As many of you know, one of the turning points in the American uh, founding was the Boston Massacre, where there was uh, kind of protesters outside a courthouse and British troops opened fire into a mob after a rock was thrown and hit a British soldier. Several were killed, and the soldiers were actually put on trial. Now, most of your social studies may have ended there and just focused on how that impacted the American Revolution. It encouraged the uh, colonies to unite together under one banner. But what other people might not realize is that the defendant, those soldiers, those British soldiers, were represented by a founding father. In fact, it was John Adams who represented the soldiers who shot American citizens. And he has this quote, and I think it's very important to hear, that facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. The reason I use that is that is kind of the founding of our Justice Department in a quote. So let me say it again. Facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes or inclinations or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. My heart breaks for the victims like Dr. Ford and Ramirez, and they should be considered victims until their story is properly vetted. Period. But at the same time, we need facts and evidence to bring against Judge Brett Kavanaugh to see if he's guilty, right? And I know it's not a criminal trial, and that's not what I'm asking. But I am asking that a man's life not be ruined until we've heard all the facts. Now, some of you might just end this and say, why should I care for either side? Maybe I'm a Republican, so why do, why do I care for Dr. Ford? And maybe you're a Democrat and you're saying, why do I care about Kavanaugh? Hopefully this will just end it. And that kind of leads me into probably one of my favorite quotes, and that's by Benjamin Franklin. And it says, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. This does not affect me personally. This will not change my daily life, at least not that I foresee. But I do think the presumption of innocence is worth protecting in this society. It's a societal problem. We're not just seeing this with prominent politicians or even just with prominent Republicans like the media wants to make it out to be. Lots of Democrats have gone down. In fact, the founder of the Me Too movement, um, she writes for the New York Times, she was accused recently by a young male minor. And that's very rare. Actually, male accusations uh, are scary low. I mean, they, they just don't happen. In, in fact, um, unfortunately, there's some articles about how men cannot be raped. Uh, in fact, the, the legal system, not until I think it was 2009, even viewed um, women on men raped. There wasn't even a legal term. There wasn't, a, I mean, they didn't view it as a crime. So the founder of the Me Too movement, though, is being accused by someone when, when he was a minor, that he was abused by her. 
So it, it's on both sides, and it, and it's hard to give someone the presumption of innocence because they're serious crimes. I mean, these are concerning items. And for those who are, are strong in the Kavanaugh court, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I want to see Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. I mean, I, I think he'd make a good judge. And I don't know if, if these accusations are enough to stop that. But at the same time, if you had, you know, three babysitters lined up and one babysitter had two people accusing them of sexual abuse, I mean, even if they were proven false, like, who are you probably going to give the job to? It's probably not the babysitter accused of multiple sexual misconducts. And that's what taking the allegation seriously looks like. But we need to weigh the evidence. Because just as John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. I wish this wasn't something we had to discuss. But the truth is, as a society, it is. And we're going to have to figure it out. Is the accusation itself enough to end the life of a person? It's an interesting thought. Are we going to have, like we did during the Salem Witch Trials, where... It was just vengeance that ruled the street, as Arthur Miller said in The Crucible. Just vengeance that ruled the street. That's not justice, and that's not the founding principles of our nation. That you do have a presumption of innocence, um, and it's on both sides. Dr. Ford, just because she came out against a Supreme Court nominee, does not automatically become a liar. But at the same token, Brett Kavanaugh does not automatically become a sexual deviant. So I know it's kind of a, a very boring middle-of-the-road approach, but it's the correct one. It, I'm not going to sit here and pound my fist saying Kavanaugh's innocent. I'm not going to sit here and pound my fist and say Kavanaugh deserves prison. I'm going to sit here and pound my fist demanding that the American ideals that our nation was founded upon, the fabric of our society, be preserved and that we get to the bottom of it. And through all of this, it might come out that it was nothing. Or it might come out that the vetting of a Supreme Court nominee who had a very questionable past and that it was good that he didn't become a Supreme Court justice. So, a lot going on there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are going to go back onto our weekly schedule. We had kind of some personal items here at the American Talk take precedent, and so we hadn't been able to put out our weekly podcast. We kind of switched up to bi-weekly. But we will be back next week. We're going to be closely watching the items happening in Russia. Um, we're going to, clo- or I'm sorry, in Syria regarding Russia. We're going to closely be watching... Uh, Rosenstein and kind of everything that's playing out there with the Mueller investigation. And then also uh, we'll be bringing you back up to date with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, It's interesting times that we live in. But I would encourage you to remember the stories of someone like Sergeant Chapman. Um, There's a a quote from Harry Potter that I'm going to butcher right now. But, um, you know, It talks about how even in the darkest of times, light can be found if you just simply remember to turn it on. And so it's one of those things that hope is what you give yourself. Um, And so we can choose to be a society that sees the bad in everyone or, um, as our 
presumption of innocent quote went, we can presume to see the generosity of a spirit, which assumes the best, not the worst in strangers. So as your week progresses, I hope that you see the best in strangers around you. I know that I've been blown away by the generosity of strangers my entire life. I've probably even taken too much advantage of it, but, uh, and and this is going to get on a little bit of side tangent when I'm supposed to be closing, but honestly, people have, if you give them the opportunity, they will blow you away. They they really will. I mean, as a waiter at Chili's, I had people, um, you know, support my college fund, essentially. I mean, not just through their tips. I mean, they gave me gifts while I was at school, um, the generosity of strangers is a magnificent thing. It's something that should be preserved, and I hope it's something in our society that we can learn to trust one another again. And that's a big part of why this podcast exists. So I wish you the best. I hope you have a great week. Remember to go rate, subscribe, go check out ADM Leatherworks. So Etsy.com slash ADM Leatherworks. They're an amazing group. You got tote bags, you got all that good stuff. Um, But most of all, remember to keep the conversation going.